0: You are listening to The Dr. Kinney Show, and I'm your host, Erin Kinney, a naturopathic doctor and speaker who's passionate about teaching you how to understand what is happening in your body, why your body is reacting the way it is, and how to make the appropriate changes in your life to get your body back into balance. Something I've learned from my private practice is that the more patients know about their health the more likely they are to make better diet and lifestyle choices, which ultimately leads them to a faster recovery. Each week, you are going to learn actionable tips, tricks, and teachings from myself, along with the help of top experts in the holistic health community, so that you can make better informed decisions about your body and your healthcare. Let's get started. This week, I have a very special guest, Dr. Daniel Chong, who is cardiovascular expert. He's a graduate from the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland. He's been practicing naturopathic physician since 2000, and his work primarily focuses in helping people optimize cardiovascular and metabolic health. He's also a contributing editor in the cardiology section for the Natural Medicine Journal and has worked for four years as a clinical consultant for Boston Heart Diagnostics Laboratory. Really excited to have you here, Dr. Chong. Let's get into Uh, it. So I I met Dr. Chong, what, in 2014 at a conference. And I feel like we talked a lot back then about diet as I had I was just practicing and I was really into the blood type diet. And he was talking to me a lot about the benefits of eating a more plant based diet. And so, yeah. for those of you guys who have been requesting someone who's an expert in plant based diet and how it can help cardiovascular, this is the show for you. So, so talk Happy to me about, to your talk about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I would say that a, a majority of what I do is work with people who are trying to prevent or treat. Cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and my far and away most primary tool is is food yeah. and uh, within that realm, I see astounding effects from having people focus on a on a healthy version of a heavily plant based diet. I don't like to use more polarizing terms like vegan and vegan or not vegan or whatever because you know as I'm sure you know, you can make a pretty unhealthy vegan diet so
0: you, you can. I like whole I, food,
1: plant-based.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was a vegan, a uh, quote unquote vegan in college. And I was probably the unhealthiest vegan out there. And I got really, really sick. I was eating bread. I was eating, you know, I don't think I ate a vegetable for like six yeah. months. I was eating French fries and right. we're vegan, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, I just chips cut and, meat chips out. Chips and Coke. Yeah. Chips and Coke and, you know, yeah. processed foods, which you're not right. eating meat or animal-based product. but that's not really the point of being a vegan, right? Yeah. And, or, I,
1: and don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm very understanding and, and a proponent of a lot of the aspects of why people choose to go vegan for yes. uh, things other than health reasons, which I yes. think are very important, but a topic for another day. But within the realm of health and medicine, I, I, I just have trained myself to use different terminology. Um, yeah, because it really I think it's you got to be clear. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so
0: let's dive right into some of the like nitty gritty stuff. So, if you're someone who's got high cholesterol, can you talk to us about why a more plant based diet is going to help lower your cholesterol?
1: Yeah, I will say that right off the bat, I, I like to be real specific these days. I, I do my best to not make any you know sweeping generalizations. I'm very yeah. much a proponent of who's the person in front of me and how's their body responding and that type of thing. What is yeah. their genetic history and so on and so forth. So for some people. I don't know anything that works better and i want to make a little aside like i think it'd be good to talk briefly about how important or not it may be to lower somebody's cholesterol as a primary way of you know treating or preventing cardiovascular disease but if if we're in that bubble of focusing on on that on those numbers and what's going on there yeah i see some people who it's like their body was just or asking for them to to eat a plant-based diet and as soon Mm -hmm. as they do it's like a whole new person emerges both physically and and what you see in their labs, and yet other people I don't see it as being quite as impactful, but I still think that there's a lot of ver- aspects to eating that way that almost to the point of regardless of what impact it has on those numbers, I know other things are going on mm-hmm. in their vascular system, and there's other ways to evaluate that with labs and things like that to verify, oh you know even though your your cholesterol only dropped twenty points, this marker's better, and that marker's better and this imaging studies better, etc. And so we know you're getting better. Long story short, I think there's a lot to be said about the point of the healing power of the foods that get consumed when you eat this way for the vascular wall. And, and I try to steer clear of, of focusing too much just in, intently on that number. Oh, on the cholesterol um, number. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Looking at kind of more of a general. Yeah. And,
1: and again, you know, I always tell people cholesterol is the primary component of plaque so it's yes. clearly involved. Yes, it's definitely, <laughs> and,
0: definitely involved.
1: <laughs> right. And so, you know, you, it would be ridiculous to, to think that a cholesterol of 300 in a person who has cardiovascular disease should not be Lower. worked on as yes. much as possible. Yeah. But it's just not the end all be all, you
0: know. Yeah. You know, so in both. your, I'm curious, in your practice, are you, do you run the NMR profile? Do you go and look at the different lipid components?
1: I do all kinds of fun things. Um, I use, you mentioned in my bio, Boston Heart Lab. I'm, oh, yeah. I want to be clear, I'm not affiliated with them anymore, so I feel fine talking about whoever. Gotcha. So no, I'm not affiliated with any labs, but just for my own whatever reasons, uh, I use mostly Cleveland Heart Lab and Boston Heart Lab as Got ways it. to to identify advanced uh, lipid markers. So in terms of looking at a breakdown of more refined view of the cholesterol related markers, than you're going to get from a standard lipid panel of just like total cholesterol, LDL, yes. HDL. Triglycerides, yes. um, NMR is a one technology used to be able to do that. There's others as well, but I want more than anything. I want to look at that type of breakdown. Yeah.
0: And and, then, what, and you want to be just so people are clear. You want to be yeah. understanding what like what's the size of the cholesterol? Like, is this is it a small dense or is it large and fluffy? Is right. this is this cholesterol yeah, one this that's more good... likely to form a plaque, or is it is this a more right. protective cholesterol? Because cholesterol is in its nature, it's protecting the arterial walls, right, well, from yeah. damaging we're, we're, toxins. We're,
1: we're opening up good stuff. To talk this about is what this I'm time. always oh. talking
0: about. I, I want them to understand, yeah. like, what is yeah. cholesterol good? I mean, it is good. It ha- it's got a good function right. body. Well, you know? Real,
1: real quick, uh, that is cholesterol good or bad question on the side. If it wasn't good, our bodies wouldn't make it, right? We, we have to make it. The question yeah. always, though, then turns to, well, how much do we need to derive the benefit that yes. we know it provides? And that's where I think, in my personal view, there's some misconception out there about, you know, I hear the classic, like, well, cholesterol, your brain has a lot of cholesterol in it. Therefore, you need to eat a lot of cholesterol. Or, or mm-hmm. fat, or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. I just hear people say that. Ah, uh, gotcha. And, you know, it's very true that whatever amount of cholesterol you, you do consume, your body will adapt or do its best to stay sort of in a window of, of what it needs. So, in other words, if you eat a high cholesterol diet, typically your cholesterol production goes down. And if you, because you don't need to be low, making it. Right. And if you eat a low cholesterol diet, which some people say is dangerous because you need cholesterol, unless you have a severe genetic defect, your body's going to make all that you need. Mm. Or, you know, I do think there's circumstances if somebody's under a tremendous amount of stress or things like that, Yes, they're going to be trying to make a little bit more because it, you're using it to manufacture hormones and things like that as yeah. well. So it's very much involved in a variety of important processes. Yeah. And even to be more refined about it, when we're talking about all this, really what we're talking about, and I know you know this, but I'm just talking to the yeah, audience. Yeah, for the audience, <laughs> really what we're talking about in the realm of, of risk for cardiovascular disease and how cholesterol is related to that, we're really actually talking about cholesterol carrying molecules yes. versus cholesterol itself. itself. So in, in particular, the most famous one is LDL or the bad cholesterol. That's really a protein. I talk to patients about how it's, a, it's like a cargo ship that's loaded up mostly in the liver and sent out into the body to deliver its cargo. Yeah, a primary component of which is cholesterol. There mm-hmm. are, other, are also uh, fat soluble nutrients and different things like that, uh, that may be involved. And there's, there's still things that we don't know about these these molecules, but the long, long story short. So we were talking about wanting to know sizes of things and different things mm-hmm. like that. That's what we're evaluating in that regard. We're evaluating different aspects of that cargo ship. What may make it have more or less of a potential to literally get stuck in the wall of the artery. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot, there's a variety of things that impact that. The research that I've looked at actually does not tend to show a lot of true value from evaluating the size. So in other words, uh-huh. the size of the, the cholesterol, the LDL molecule, and we're talking yes. specifically LDL, all ranges of possible sizes of LDL will fit readily in through the endothelium and into the wall of the artery.
0: Oh, interesting. i was Just not aware of that.
1: that. Yeah. So now, don't get me wrong. There's a couple different ways to think about why it's beneficial still to look at the the size. Yeah. And it's true very for example that the the larger the co- the LDL size, mm-hmm. the lower the potential there is going to be to for that molecule to get oxidized.
0: Ah. And gotcha.
1: when it gets into the wall of the artery, if it gets oxidized, That's it turns I mean. it into a foreign-looking substance. And then you're going to your body's going to mount an immune response to that as though it's an, a foreign looking substance. And that is like the birthplace of eventual plaque if that yeah. immune process continues, yeah. et cetera.
0: Inflammation, so, for those of you guys that know that word, In- this yes. is what, the birthplace of inflammation.
1: Absolutely, that, that's why it's so inflammation is so important and crucial and tied into all of this. And, and also oxidative stress is sort of a yes. related but different thing because the higher the amount of inflammation, oxidative stress somebody has, the higher the potential is gonna be for that oxidation process to happen. Yes. which is, again, going to convert those LDLs, which are not good or bad. They're just cargo ships just, doing their yeah. job. But if they get damaged and they turn into what looks like a foreign substance to the body, then the immune system wants to get that out of the wall yeah. and all of this other stuff. So that's where the I find the, the value of looking at the size, the size. Is, is still crucial. But when you look at the more general research, where they've mm-hmm. actually compared what you'd call particle size versus particle number, Mm. which is one of the things that that one of these advanced panels will look at is how many LDL, how many cargo ships are floating around in your bloodstream. The particle number has the the greatest impact on actual risk for cardiovascular disease outcomes and events and heart attacks and strokes.
0: Versus the size.
1: Versus the size. So It doesn't really matter from a practical perspective, because usually when a doctor like you or I runs one of these panels, it shows all of that stuff. It tells you the particle number. It tells you the size. So you get a good picture of everything. But I do get concerned when occasionally I'll have people come in to see me who've already had labs done maybe with another doctor Mm -hmm. and they have a high particle number, but their doctor told them, well, it's a lot of my molecules are large and puffy, so I don't have to worry about it. Uh That's not true. Yeah, it just makes it a lower potential, but there's Risk. still the potential there, and yeah. that's why you have to look at all these other aspects of yes, their inflammation and that type of thing. So yeah, I mean, I don't remember what your question was. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember either. we but I
0: think this is a good segue to talk about why eating a more plant-based diet is going to yes. prevent some of this inflammation. You talked a little bit about oxidative stress right. and you right. know, this inflammation that's kicking up and could possibly be the the birthplace of forming plaque. You yeah. know, when we start to eat more plant-based diet, we yeah, are so giving the body what it needs to reduce that.
1: Absolutely. So there's two primary aspects to that that I think about. I mean, and again, this is aside from the aspect that we already talked about in terms of like how the LDL numbers yes. will typically go down on average. That aside, when we're talking about these other more intricate details of what's yeah. going on, one key thing to think about is they've done actual research where they've looked at risk related to high uh, people who have high LDL, but low uh, inflammation markers. And then they compare that to people who have high inflammation markers and And low low LDL. LDL, And then they compare that to people who have high of both. And what they see is all three of those categories have an increased risk for cardiovascular disease. So you can have an increased risk just from high cholesterol and normal inflammation, because again, it's still involved. Yeah. And nobody's going to have zero inflammation in their body or zero yeah. oxidative stress in their body. So, and then you can have increased risk from from high inflammation mm-hmm. and low cholesterol. But then, when you have a situation where you have high oh, of both, it's like a synergistic negative effect. Yeah, and that group has a higher risk than either of the other two.
0: Got it, which makes and sense. And the
1: thing, right? And the thing that so one one of the two primary reasons why I think plant based eating is so important is that it it typically in the average person will work on both. Components mm-hmm. more so than than other things. So I've seen people on a healthy diet that's for their body still potentially contributing to inflammation. So then mm-hmm. everything looks good, but then when well, you know they have a, they're eating whole foods and lots of vegetables and things like that, but they're still eating a lot of dairy or a lot of uh, you know protein. high saturated fat animal. Yes. And for their body, when when they switch over to essentially eating the same way but removing some of those foods that for them contributes to inflammation uh, or oxidative stress, things improve improve pretty dramatically. So that's one reason. The other thing I think that's so important about a predominantly plant-based diet, especially when you're doing it right and you're eating foods that are particularly important for reducing inflammation, reducing oxidative stress, improving the health of the blood vessel lining, Mm -hmm. the more plant-based you are, the higher the potential you have for improving the health of the lining of the artery. And I tell people all the time, whether or not you're going to get cardiovascular disease Mm -hmm. is most dependent on two primary factors, how much harm is happening to the wall of the artery from a wide variety of possible contributing factors, Yeah. one of which is high cholesterol, high blood sugar, oxidative stress, any type of toxins, et cetera, Mm -hmm. anything that can harm the wall of the artery is going to make it more vulnerable to penetration by these LDL molecules and things like that. And then the other probably more important component is how healthy and resilient and resistant to harm is the wall of the artery. Got it. And so another one of my favorite analogies, I say, you know, if you imagine you're in a park and there's this big chain link fence, like, like near a baseball diamond, and you're standing there and you've got a big bucket of golf balls, okay, mm-hmm. you're just throwing the balls at the fence. Obviously, the size of the ball, some of them are going to get through, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them are going to bounce off. If your goal was to get as many balls through as possible, there's two things that you can do. You can widen the gap mm-hmm. the, between, you know, Let the change. wires. Yeah. And you can increase the number of balls in your bucket, yeah. which is going to give you a higher chance. And so if the chain link fence is like the the endothelium, the mm-hmm. inside lining of the blood vessel wall, and the balls in the bucket are cholesterol, and you don't want to get any balls through that wall or that fence, then your goal is to try to lower the amount of balls in the bucket, mm-hmm. and tighten up your fence as much as possible. Yeah. And that's, that's where I think conventional medicine, I wouldn't say fails, but doesn't do as thorough of a job yeah. as they could is yeah. because they focus for the most part on the balls in the bucket, you could yeah. make the argument that stat cholesterol lowering drugs do help tighten the wall a little bit, but not nearly bit. as well, in my opinion, as,
0: nutrition. as some other Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: And so again, all that being said, a plant based diet by itself as a single intervention does as much as anything else is hitting both of those components.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, for those of you guys listening, you've talked, heard me talk about leaky gut. I mean, any, any tissue in the body, you know, if you get, if there's holes in there, there's gaps, you're going to have problems because things are going to get into a place in the body where they're not supposed to be. And that causes the immune system to go crazy. So we want to make sure that the integrity of the arterial walls are just like you would when we're looking at the gut wall. So, and diet, obviously is hugely important to that. Are you using certain nutrients when you're trying to work on that, arterial wall integrity
1: yeah i mean it, it depends to some degree on where the person's at and how much of the kitchen sink i want to throw at it yes them. but uh absolutely vitamin c is, yeah, is probably the much. single most important component for tightening the wall of the artery um, or that fence you know um, and reducing potential for inflammation and oxidative stress at yes. that site and also for helping optimize the integrity of the lining of the of the and how vulnerable yeah. it is to injury in the first place. So if you had to pick one,
0: vitamin C, be your a, favorite, I'd be hard
1: pressed to, to go past that. Magnesium yeah. is also hugely important, and as I'm sure you know, yeah, is frequently deficient in people. Yes, by
0: so many. Like and this past year in particular, I feel like everyone needs magnesium. Oh, absolutely. Magnesium stress depletes magnesium like no other. So right there, yeah. And, don't and take magnesium. Well. Yeah, both of those and yeah. vitamin C. I mean, Do you do vitamin C infusions in your clinic? Sometimes, but not from a, not
1: like a chronic health perspective. I'll use it it. more for acute acute health, acute issues. Uh, I think the more thoroughly implemented your whole food plant-based diet, the less vitamin C technically you should need. Yeah. So that's where like, right. So that's where like, in some cases where things are really bad, I'll still recommend additional amounts beyond what they can eat or if their stress levels are high, I find... Yes. Very few people are aware of the fact that one of the highest concentrations of vitamin C in the body tissue is found in the adrenal glands. Yeah. And it's and it's heavily utilized during stress and yeah. and heavily depleted during stress. So you could probably make a decent argument that most people this year should have been taking a little extra, aside oh. from the fact that it affects immune system. So, yeah, but yeah, just for general
0: general well being. I mean, I put most of my patients on vitamin C. It's super, even yeah. if the, and especially if they're not if their diet's not great and we're working on yeah. a changing diet. It's you know if so if you're someone out there who you haven't quite made those diet changes, it's good to add a little vitamin C yeah. in there it's got and, so and I'll
1: just I'll also add in the realm of supplements. You know, fairly commonly in the whatever you want to call it, naturopathic world, nutritional medicine world, a lot of people when they're working on cardiovascular disease are recommending like statin alternatives like red yeast rice and things that lower cholesterol naturally. I don't tend to use those things very often. I tend to focus more on these nutrients that are more involved in the mechanisms that I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in the realm of the health of the 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 artery wall. So again, vitamin C, magnesium, and then there's a host of other possible factors that that you could utilize to help improve the endothelium to help improve something called nitric oxide production which is a crucial component of healthy blood vessel function and then there's some other sort of more specialized nutrients that are or extracts or things like that that have been shown to be quite helpful in some studies in terms of aged garlic extract is a (laughs) fairly well-known one turmeric i'm sure you know and so there's a lot of different options but to me, those are all at most should be complementary to, the, the, to the, diet. the hard work being done with, yes. with the diet
0: yeah. and,
1: and the best research out there in the realm of nutrition and cardiovascular disease in terms of showing true improvement and true actual reversal of the condition, all, all of those studies are, are just with food. It's clearly not necessary in most people's cases, but in yeah. my opinion, why not hedge the bet more in your favor? Oh, totally. Um, with some additional things.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, we can, yeah. we can speed things up a little bit I always say that, you know, it's something that takes a long time to change diet, you know, diet, right. Your right. diet is not, you know, if you're someone who's eating, if you're an unhealthy vegan or you're not, you're not even noticing what you're eating, it's not like that's going to change overnight as much as we yeah. all wish it can, you know, it's not like January one, you're going to eat a perfect diet for the rest of your right. life. You know, it right. takes a while to get those habits. So sometimes adding in some of the extra nutrient nutrients can, Yep get you closer to your goal while yeah. you're working on changing the diet I wanted to talk a little bit about blood sugar because obviously blood sugar plays a role in kicking up inflammation and some of the so and maybe talk a little bit about blood sugar and eating more plant-based and what how that relates to each other
1: yeah um, I think an interesting entry into that topic is you know some people for whatever reason for whatever information they've been exposed to are under the impression that it's potentially risky to eat a plant-based diet because it's high in carbs. Yeah. And if they're worried about blood sugar or it's typically high in carbs, you could, you can eat a low carb plant-based diet, yes, but it's not the, the typical one that's recommended and, and been most researched for cardiovascular disease and shown to be, have the most benefit is, is a higher carbohydrate mm-hmm. version. But the key aspect of that, as I'm, as I know, you know, is, uh, what form of carbohydrates we're talking about. So if they're whole f- whole food forms and there's a very different impact on the body than if they're refined junky
0: yeah.
1: carbohydrates. So that being said, it's still a bit of a an area of resistance sometimes in people because they're s- they're nervous about the impact of carbs blood of sugar. any kind on blood yeah. sugar. And yet, that being said, at least in my experience with my patients, the most impressive effects I've seen on people with blood sugar issues, diabetes or prediabetes is when they adopt a really thoroughly applied whole food, high carbohydrate plant-based diet. But the yeah. key aspect of that from my understanding of what I've learned is really how much fat they're eating
0: mm. and especially oh,
1: how much re- uh, refined fats, oils, and then also saturated fat.
0: Yeah. And um,
1: there's some interesting research that looks at the impact of a lot of a higher fat diet on the function of insulin receptors. So there's yeah. these little things on the outside of your cells that respond to insulin when you consume carbohydrates. So long story short there, if you eat a diet that has a bunch of carbohydrates coming in with a bunch of fat at the same time, you're going to potentially harm how effective the insulin, insulin receptors receptor are to insulin. And you, you end up with a situation where essentially the doors won't open yeah. uh, to the cells and let the sugar in so the sugar stays in the bloodstream. So, you know, I've seen many people on a, following a really thoroughly applied American Diabetes Association type of diet and being, you know, not doing very well. And yeah. then I'll say, eat this way. And they go, I can't eat that way. There's too many carbohydrates in that. And I'd say, yeah. just try it, but do it the exact way we're talking about. Yeah. And inevitably they do quite well. Yeah. So, so, yeah, that's kind of what I would say.
0: Well, and I wonder if there's a similar, know, is there research on showing if like all the antioxidant potential from a higher plant-based diet is going to affect the production of more insulin receptors? Like, are you going to get a higher?
1: It's a good question. I don't, I don't now, know. That I would be, that it. would be
0: my thought on how that would, how that would be, you know, is yeah. anytime we put antioxidants cool. into the body, it's going to, it's going to help neutralize oxidizing stuff in the body. True. Like true. to be in a situation where there's right, inflammation. Right. And...
1: Well, kind of along those lines, I think another thing that's interesting, if you look at, you know, Joe Pizzorno, and He has a a doctor for those of you who don't
0: know. Sorry.
1: He has, he's a big specialist in environmental toxicity and he has some pretty amazing information that he's put out in lectures and his book and things like that, that go into how environmental toxin levels in people's bodies may actually be the most impactful thing for, for blood sugar, for metabolism. The thing I think that's interesting is if you, if you really look at it, literally. I mean, I can't quote the, what study it is, but I've seen multiple studies like this where, if you're looking at the way that human beings are most frequently exposed to environmental toxins, mm-hmm. the primary source of environmental toxin exposure is food,
0: Pesticides. and within that
1: realm, f- uh, animal food is is far and away the most mm-hmm. frequent or sort of highest potential source of toxins, and it's and it's not a a knock on animal food, in and of itself, it's the nature of the fact that these animals that are being consumed are growing up in our modern world. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and they're they eating—they're eating the pesticide-laden, you know, Correct. corn,
1: weed, or Correct. whatever. and they bioaccumulate these yeah. things into their uh, fat tissue, yeah. and then that gets consumed. So it's like this concentrated source of environmental of toxins that should never have been that way. If yeah. we didn't use all of these chemicals and things like that, but it is what it is. So to yeah. me, that may be one of the other reasons why a plant-based diet seems to be quite helpful for people with diabetes. Yeah. And then the other, the other way to look at it is, you know, obviously you could never argue that there aren't other successful ways to eat in the realm of blood sugar, um, yeah. ketogenic diets, and things like that. Oh
0: yeah.
1: My only concern there is. Is the toxin um, level
0: of the animal protein that they're the consuming. It's the
1: toxin level. Yeah. And I wonder long-term what's happening. Like, are, is their blood sugar and insulin levels looking good because they're not consuming food that requires much insulin. So they're not, if ah. they're eating a super low-carbohydrate low, low diet, yeah, they're not, diet, that's, not that's, that's testing the body yeah. to see. And if you, sometimes if you, I've seen research where they take people who have been eating a long-term low-carbohydrate diet mm-hmm. and they do a glucose tolerance test on them where they oh, give they them keep- a, uh-huh. And they get, they go it, out of whack. They get totally hammered. So, at the very least, if they're successful with it, they may ha- have to do that forever to
0: yeah to keep up to be
1: able to remain yeah. that way. So I kind of, at least my personal view is it it I kind of look at a plant based diet as having a higher potential for fixing the situation. Yeah, and the other one is more adapting. Mm -hmm. to the situation to what we're what we're
0: currently given and the current food supply that we have you know i I have a lot of patients that eat ketogenic or paleo or low carb and i just stress you have to make sure your meat or your animal products are organic like do not eat out at a restaurant if you're going to eat meat cook it at home know this know where it came from you know do not eat chicken from (laughs) chick-fil-a like the other thing is when you're eating a lot of these you know if you're eating out at a restaurant most likely if you're getting chicken which everyone thinks oh it's chicken it's done a lot of fat it's got so much estrogen in it, and we all know yeah, what estrogen do. You know, estrogen <laughs> havoc all over the body. Yeah, yeah. So I do find it
1: funny that that some people uh, argue against plant based eating because they say you know soy is soy is estrogenic and it's <laughs> bad because. And I'm like, you, you know, no. You, the, some of these animal foods actually have the molecule estrogen.
0: Estrogen. Oh Especially yeah.
1: Especially dairy products, you know. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, so it's definitely looking at. I think it's important to know where your food comes from, and any and anything Absolutely. you know, and even if you're eating a plant-based diet, you need to be very oh, yeah. particular about where your fruits and veggies are coming yeah. from, because
1: yeah, and I don't, I don't want to sound biased because you know it's also very true that there's obviously plant-based eating is getting really popular, yeah, and along with that, you're seeing more and more products and restaurants op- offering beyond meat burgers and things like that, not to call out any particular brand, but (laughs) these are not whole foods. These are not health foods at all. These are things that are the primary objective is to mimic something. And usually if you're going to do that, it's not going to end up giving you a bunch of nutrients and healthy whole sources of of food. And so I would actually honestly say if somebody was to tell me, I'm only going to do one of two things. I'm either going to eat like a paleo diet or a vegan diet that's mostly (laughs) <laughs> fake meats and stuff like that, I would say. Eat, eat the paleo diet. diet.
0: Oh, yeah. At least I, I would not. Agree. Uh,
1: unless we're just going more from a philosophical perspective, yes. for vegan, yeah, which I understand as well. But for talking yes. just purely health,
0: yeah, for health stuff, so. yeah, I think there. I mean, again, it's the more processed the food you're eating, the more yeah. potential for crap or you know, Absolutely. toxins or whatever to be in there. So we want, yeah, we that's want the whole constant foods. That, play, yeah,
1: that plays yeah, that plays out over and over and over again, regardless of how you eat it, yeah.
0: So I think the take home message about all this in terms of, you know, diet affecting your cardiovascular health or, you know, your blood sugar health, you know, you want to be putting foods into the body that are lowering inflammation, right? Like we, and lowering blood sugar and- and Right,
1: and and I will, again, be like my little brain and the way that I try to think about things. When I think that way, what I'm thinking about, like how is something lowering inflammation? There's basically two things that it's doing. It's not causing harm and it's also providing repair nutrients. Yes. So when you reduce harm and improve capacity to repair, then you're going to lower the potential for inflammation. Yeah. So I, I get a little nervous when people do things that are just like, I'm going to take a ton of this supplement, especially mm-hmm. like fish oil, for example, to try to just lower inflammation when it's not to say that's right or wrong. Like if somebody's deficient in omega-3 fats, they yeah. might need some source of omega-3 fats, but I don't like to use it as like a treatment for inflammation because to me, It's not really thinking about what's causing the inflammation. Like is is all of their inflammation due to the fact that they don't have pharmaceutical level um, intake of fish oil? Probably (laughs) not. There's all these other things to look at. Yeah. So it's like trying to put, it's trying to like, I don't want to put a bandaid. It's like almost like allopathic medicine, right? You're trying to put a bandaid on a problem and, and you're not really dealing with the issue. So again, a heavily plant-based diet tends to be a low inflammation diet because it Mm -hmm. provides so many repair nutrients and doesn't cause a lot of harm in and of itself.
0: Which is awesome. Well, thank you for all of this. This was a fun chat. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed learning a little bit more about how we can reduce risk for cardiovascular disease. And thank you for bringing your knowledge and it was awesome to have you on.
1: Happy, Happy anytime.
0: All right. Take care guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. If you're ready to start discussing your naturopathic medicine needs, head to DrArinKinney.com to schedule a free 15-minute consult. As always, you can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at DrArinKinney.com. See you guys next week.